Hey, what's up, guys? This is Brad. This is Miles. And welcome to the house. Miles, another day, another dollar. We are back with another episode. My favorite day of the week is when I get to talk to you about sports. Absolutely. I feel like we keep everything bottled in during the week. It's like I don't want to tell you about the the big winners and the the you know surprises that I might have. So let's start this off with our favorite section, my favorite section, read my review. Um, so we're going to start with our first review. Uh, we're going to go with Toolman, five-star review. Two good-looking guys giving quality advice. Keep up the good work, gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks, Toolman. You rock. Um, we're going to go with Caleb James, five-star review. A honest startup podcast that is serious about the conversation and not bogged down by mainstream input. Thank you, Caleb. Guys, we urge you, if you want to be on the podcast, just review us, rate us. Uh, it can be on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever it is. We love it. Agreed. Uh, let's go ahead and reach into the mailbag. But before we do that, I actually kind of want to do a quick follow-up to our question uh, last week about the Cavaliers. How about those Cavaliers? The Cavs are good. I told you these moves are great. And you know, um, the guy who actually asked us the question, me and him went out for a drink, right? And it was the Cavs versus Celtics. And he goes, and his name's Eric, and he goes, Brad, there's no way the Cavs are going to be good, right? So the Cavs were up by like six or something. And, and I bet him, I go, I bet you the Cavs win. He goes, okay. So then when the Cavs got up to 12, I go, I bet you the Cavs, I go, double or nothing. If the Cavs win, if the Celtics win, you get your money back. But double or nothing, on my bet, the Cavs have to win by 15 or more. Oh, yeah. I mean. Easy money. And I think he, he learned that that core is good. One thing I just want to throw out there, did you know that – they're projecting if the Cavs want to keep together that core group they just got, it'll cost them $300 million to extend them all. Wow. That doesn't surprise me, actually, uh, after dissecting the moves and dissecting how young these players are and yeah. how, I mean, a lot of these guys are going to get max contracts at some point in their careers. So uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. But that definitely uh, shakes things up in the NBA. ESPN still doesn't have the Cavs in the top 10 in their power rankings, um, which is fine for now, but I think that they're going to start to prove everybody wrong. Yeah, the Cavs will slowly jump back up. Uh, I mean, they're good. They're a dominant team, and even when I was watching that OKC game, they were dominating them for the most part, but then OKC came on their runs, and the Cavs still kept the momentum, kept playing good basketball. I like that core. Uh, they're long, they're defensive, and they're young. Absolutely. Uh, so for this week, uh, we're going to go ahead and switch gears. We're going to talk about our favorite sport, and that is football. Uh, we have a question here. Tampa desperately needs to draft defense, but if Saquon is on the board, is there any chance they pass him? I think only way is if him and Chubb are still on, which there's about a 0% chance either drop to 7. And I will start off by just saying uh, that's absolutely correct. There is a absolute 0 chance that Saquon Barkley uh, or Bradley Chubb are going to drop to 7. So we can start the conversation there. Okay, so I think Chubb could fall past 7. That's just my personal opinion. Just you look at the draft, how many of those teams need quarterbacks and then in, you're comparing uh chubb some people could say we can might go after michelle or rashad uh rashad penny for the same value those teams need quarterbacks and defense you just look at are you talking are, is, okay i'm assuming he's saying bradley chubb or is that nick chubb i i thought bradley chubb okay 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 good so yeah no way bradley chubb and barkley both fall to seven right okay right. i thought it was saying nick chubb so definitely we should have i should have asked about that but okay so i'm gonna uh analyze this neither are falling to seven Okay, so here's – we're going to talk a lot about the draft yeah. uh, coming up here over the next few weeks. And I think the biggest thing for me right now is across all the mock drafts, drafts that I've looked at, 
there's so much discrepancy between where the quarterbacks are going. Yeah. And that's so interesting. It's going to dictate the entire draft uh, where these four, five, maybe even six first-round quarterbacks go. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it's going to play out with, like, you look at New York, right? New York, You're assuming New York takes the quarterback in the future, but you never know. New York could land Kirk Cousins. He's sure. honestly not out of it. Kirk Cousins can go wherever he wants. We've been shocked before. Um, we look at the Cleveland Browns. They could be in play for, for Kirk Cousins, but I, I think if uh, the Cleveland Browns get Kirk Cousins, they get a project quarterback later in the draft. Sure, and do you remember when the Cowboys uh, shocked everybody by taking Zeke so early yeah. uh, in that draft? I, I honestly think, like you said, I think the Giants or the Colts could do that with Barkley. Yeah. And that would shake everything up because then you got the Browns at four who can't take Barkley. Who are they going with now? Uh, you've got to think at that point they would go with a defensive back. Yeah. Um, which, what, they're going Denzel Ward, Minka Fitzpatrick, yeah, somebody, I mean, yeah. That's that, that's what I'm thinking, but like it, it would shake everything up. That I could see. Yeah. I could see Barkley going as high as two. I could see – I mean, you look at it. The Giants need a running back. Absolutely. Why would they not take Barkley? Yeah, and you've got to think that – have the conversation with Eli. I think he's got th- at least three more good years left in yeah. him. And if you have that conversation and he is committed to the organization, why go a quarterback now? Yeah, you could pick up a, a project quarterback who could – you know, ultimately provide high return on on your low investment. Right, especially especially here. I I want to put uh, I want to start to put the draft into gamblers' terms, right? Yeah. This is how I think of, of the NFL draft. Let's say that we just we have six quarterbacks going the okay. first round. What are the house odds that any of those quarterbacks become a successful starting quarterback in the NFL? I mean, you've got to think maybe even. I mean, as high as two out of those six yeah. are going to be successful. I mean, uh, Goff and Wentz, I think, you know, was and a rare exception. Goff's was still surprised me because even if you look at his tape last year, you were like, holy crap, Goff's going to suck. Right. He, he really had his breakout year this year. Yeah. Um, to be fair, we still don't really know what we have with these guys. We've yeah. only seen them for two years, but I think that, that that's an example of where, you know, uh, we, we saw a lot of quarterback success in that draft. Can we see that here? I, I don't you see You don't know. It. It, it's hard to tell. And then, you know... Another thing that I was looking uh, when I was thinking about, um, you know, Barkley going this that far down is the Giants don't necessarily have to rebuild. Right. Imagine grabbing Barkley. They grab another defensive stud in the second round. They're set. I mean, because they're getting Odell back. Um, Shepard's going to be healthy. Uh, Marshall's probably done. I I assume he's got to be hanging it up. I think the Giants are severely underrated, but... I'll say again, I think it all depends on having that conversation with Eli. See where his head is at. Because yeah. at this point, it's really like, okay, are we selling or are we buying? I yeah. mean, is it are, are we throwing it away or not? If you think you have three good years left with Eli, don't rebuild now. Reload. Yeah. Reload. And Barkley's their reloading option. Exactly. So that messes things up. But this question is specifically about the Buccaneers. There's no way they take a quarterback, right? No. So, so we can... We can eliminate a quarterback can, out of their theory. Yeah, we can eliminate that. I think they're going to go defense. They're going to go defense um, just because there's so many good running backs out. Like, you look at guys from LSU, He's he could be a second rounder. The Bucks can sure. trade up back into the first round and get guys late. Uh, Ronald Jones at a USC. I think Ronald Jones is going to be, gonna, I think he's gonna be solid. Uh, Royce Freeman is going to be another one to look at. Yeah, there's so many good second round running backs. The Bucks are definitely going to go defense. And, I, I mean, I've seen him taking Minka. I've seen him taking um, the that dude from whatever uh, – was it University Texas San Antonio or whatever? The oh, dude's yeah. a freak. Um, yeah. I mean, I want them to take Denzel Ward because our secondary is god awful, but we also don't have a good pass rush. So. I've also seen Derwin James. 
Yeah. Um, I think any of those DBs, you can't really go wrong. I think Minka Fitzpatrick is by far the best option. I think Minka's um, going to go to San Fran. That's the only problem with me. Oh, you do? Yeah. Uh, so I, you think the Bucks are going to – would, or you think the Bucks would pass on him? I thought San Fran drafts before – oh, you're right. No, San Fran has a, a draft pick from somebody in a trade, if I can't remember who that is. That's my mistake. I thought I thought they were nine. They might be. I might be. I might be incorrect. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I was just looking at a mock draft and I thought that um, that they were a little bit higher. Well, but. just to answer the original question here, yes, if Saquon does fall to seven, which he won't, but but if he somehow does, obviously, that's who you got to go with. Yeah, the Bucks have to draft him unless they really believe in Peyton Barber. Sure. Eh. But do you? I mean. He showed he showed glimpses. The, the hard thing is to believe in anybody when he's running behind an offensive line that doesn't want to block. So I don't know. We, I mean, unless he would probably be the only running back I would take in that position because if he falls to you, you, you have to take the best player available. Let's say that the Jets – okay, so here's the thing. Are the Jets going to take a quarterback? That's the question I was getting at. Um, I don't think the Jets take a quarterback that early. It's tough to say, man, because it, it, it's it's like I've seen. I mean, I I've seen so many different opinions. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that Baker Mayfield is a top ten talent, but in some mock drafts, he's going number one overall to the Browns. Yeah. Seems like a Browns move. Definitely seems like uh, a Browns move to take Baker Mayfield. But out of these guys, out of Baker, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, how do you choose? Like, you really have to pick the guy that's going to fit your system. Yeah. Um. I mean, I could, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets took a quarterback, but. The Jets need defense. Um, they can get by with a, a part-time quarterback, someone who they can train. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think they've fully given up on Bryce Petty. Yeah, I don't think that they have either. At the same time, I don't think he's the answer. Uh, going back to the Buccaneers, I think they're going to have a lot of good options at defensive back. So whether that be, um, for me, I would love to see Denzel Ward go to the Buccaneers, by yeah. the way. I think that would be a great pick for them. I don't know if you sh- if they should take him that high. Um but if Mika's gone, then at that point, I, in my opinion, I think after Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, the quarterbacks and Chubb and Barkley, I think there's a drop off. Yeah. In first round talent, so I think from there it's really who who they think is going to. Um, I mean, is there any chance that, that they take Roquan Smith? No, not a chance. Uh, they're they're deep. They're deep, really deep at linebacker, linebacker and yeah, sure. that's their least worried about position. They need a safety, which I don't understand really because they have uh, Justin Evans who. In the games he played, he showed that he's an effective leader, you know? I will say also, uh, and I'm going to say this plenty in the weeks leading up to the draft, Josh Jackson, in my opinion, is the best Woo! pure cornerback in this If Josh Jackson goes out there and he, he runs a 4-4, he's coming off early. Absolutely. Four, sub 4-4 four, 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 four lower, he's coming off early. So I'm I'm really high on him. I have been for a while. Uh, coming from the Big Ten, I've seen him play. He picked off Barrett three times this year. Uh, he, I mean, he had eight interceptions total. I think he's the best pure because I think Mika Fitzpatrick is the best overall defensive player. Yeah. Um, so whoever gets Mika is going to be a lucky person just because he's a student of the game. Yeah. And it, that goes a long way. I would love the Bucks to get him, but you know, we do have other needs that, that are are really pressing. So. So just to wrap up here, if Mika's off the board, who's your pick for the Buccaneers? If Mika's off the board, and Barkley's off the board. Yeah. And Bradley Chubb's off the board. Yes. I guess I'm going with that guy from Texas and on Texas. San okay, Antonio. yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't have the I don't have the name. Uh, here, but... the, the main reason I'm going with that guy is because he's a freak athlete, and 
I mean, sure, Out of he played for all these big names. It's, it's surprising. I didn't mean well, to cut you off, but it, 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 that's surprising to me. Well, uh, I, he had some. He had an insane amount of stat of sacks, and I, I wasn't oh. even prepared for, for to bring out his the amount of sacks he had this season. And people are saying he's playing from a smaller school. Look at Ali Marpet, who had was one of the best offensive linemen, and he's one of the best offensive linemen on the Bucks now. And they took the chance on him, so okay. he went to a small school. Uh, Texas San Antonio had one of the best defenses in the country this year. I yeah. believe it was a top three defense. So, uh, had to be for a reason. But it's going to be fun uh, talking about the draft here leading up to the big day. Did you know that they're uh, having the draft at AT&T Stadium this year? Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Did you see um, some of the draft places that are, are up for bid? Vegas is one of them. Oh, my gosh. If there's one in Vegas, Lit. I have to be there. I have to. <laughs> I have to like, there. I don't care if I go on, like, the third day. I have to experience it. All right, well, uh, you want to go ahead and uh, tell everybody about what we're doing now on this uh, next segment here? Okay, so this next segment we're going to do is we're going to pick our most overrated NFL draft prospects. I'm going to pick two, and Miles is going to pick two. And, guys, don't come back and hate us for our picks because I'm going to be honest. One of my picks is solely just me watching them and and not being a believer. And for me, it's about uh, I think it's good to – Look at them, but for me, like even if they had an incredible college career and the stats are there, it's just my feeling of whether or not I think they can work into an NFL system. And also for an overrated draft prospect, I really wanted—I mean, this is just me—I I really wanted to stick to like really high first-round talent or, or or really high second-round talent. You know, I didn't want to say like a, fifth, a projected fifth rounder was yeah. overrated. Uh, so so I think there's gonna be some some surprises, but let's let's go ahead and kick it off with yours. Okay, so. I'm going to go with, uh, you going to do both mine or you going to go with my first uh, one? Just do one. My first one. So this is going to shock the world. I'm going to go the 6'4", Sam Darnold. And a lot of people might be wondering why I picked Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is a wild card. We don't know if he's going to be great or garbage. So I'm liking his throwing motion to a Byron Leftwich or a Blake Bortles. And you know who also has a throwing motion like that? Russell Westbrook. I mean, uh, Russell Wilson. and But the difference between him and Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold is slow. No zip. Russell Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson, my God, brings the ball down low, but he comes up zipping. So it's a little bit better, and he's a little bit more of an athlete than Darnold. I know it was just one game, but I think Darnold was exposed in the Cotton Bowl uh, yeah. with, with Ohio State's game plan on defense where they literally just came after him every single play. And did you, re- did you notice that how – he didn't care for the ball as if like well I want a quarterback and I think about a great quarterback I want the quarterback to care for it as it's their child like he he barely holds the ball he he holds the ball loosely okay and one thing that I, I wanted to look at right so uh, a lot of people want to talk about how great he is under pressure and they're, they're combining his, all his seasons um from seasons ago he I think he under pressure he was like sacked 7.1% of the times, turned the ball over less than that. And then this year, it went to 16.8% of the times under pressure. Um, his completion percentage goes from 63% down to 59%. And I look at his completion percentage, and I look at how many touchdowns to interceptions he throws. He's only thrown six touchdowns while under pressure, which which is – It's a telling stat. Which is a huge stat, and that's like over 100 dropbacks. Yeah. Um. I'm just not liking him, especially when I'm comparing him to Baker Mayfield. And I know it has a lot to do with the system. But if people are telling me that Baker Mayfield is overrated, when my when my dog Baker Mayfield went out there, completed 70% of his passes, he had a total QBR of 92.6. 
43 touchdowns, only six interceptions. You're going to tell me that Sam Darnold, who's been sacked 29 times this season, doesn't take care of the ball with 13 interceptions with 63% completion percentage is light years ahead of Baker Mayfield because he's three inches taller. Baker Mayfield has a better delivery, more accuracy. Baker Mayfield reminds me of Russell Wilson outside the pocket. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the skill set that he brings. I don't think Baker is overrated. I'll, I'll just put that out there. Me either. I, I, he is the most popular, quote-unquote, overrated NFL draft prospect. I just don't see it. I mean, he was hands down the best player in college football this year. Yeah. And if it wasn't for a terrible Oklahoma defense, I think that he would have taken the title. Uh, but I'm going to stay with the theme of quarterback for okay. my first one. And I kind of wanted to pick from, you know, one of the top six or seven quarterback prospects. I like Josh Rosen. I like Josh Allen. Like Baker Mayfield. I did like your pick of Darnold because I almost went with him. Yeah. But I'm going to go with Mason Rudolph. Okay. Uh, as my overrated quarterback. Now, I will admit, am I allowed to do this? Okay. I Because a lot of this for me is based on the schematics. of, the, And I'm going to admit that as a very avid college football fan, but keeping in mind that I love college football so much, I look at teams and conferences and styles more than players. Okay. That's just how I look at college yeah. football. So the schematics of the Big 12 to me, I don't think carry over well into the NFL. Now, I realize that that goes against my uh, affinity for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. But I think that Baker is just a different type of player. Yeah, 100%. So I have here, I think, I think this is fun. I have here a list of Big 12 quarterbacks that have been drafted since 2010. Okay. And I want you to tell me if you would start these quarterbacks Okay. on a team right now. RG3 is number one. Okay. Would you start? No, not a chance. Bryce Petty? No. Landry Jones? No. Brandon Whedon? If the going gets tough, Brandon Whedon will get a nod. Okay. Colt McCoy? Hell no. That was a bust. Geno Smith? Nope. Also a bust. Now, this is funny. I actually had Annie Dalton on here as um, one of the ones that have had a decent career, but I had to cross them out because they were in the Mountain West. Yeah, they were in the, the Mountain West. At the point, yeah. It didn't even count. So he doesn't count. TCU actually ran a very... Uh, it was a spread, but it was a very pro-style yeah. spread uh, when when they were in the Mountain West. And then my other one was Sam Bradford. I'm a Sam Bradford fan. I would start Bradford. Yeah, I would definitely start Bradford. So that's one. Yeah, all right? yeah. And then uh, jury's out on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 we'll see what happens uh, this year, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this year. As a gambling man, I don't like the odds. The, the other thing that I didn't like about Mason Rudolph this year is that he struggled without James Washington. Yes. See, okay, I'm going to go ahead and... Let the, the cat out of the bag. I picked Mason Rudolph as my second overrated player. Oh, you did? Okay. And my – okay, there's a lot of – I have a whole laundry list of things why I think he's overrated. And I love Mason Rudolph. Like, I'm a huge Mason Rudolph fan, but well, James – Well, I, I was going to say, we, we talked about him all season. Yeah. And we compared his stats. He was fantastic yeah. in the college game. James Washington was the difference maker – for a lot of those stats. Yeah. Because James Washington can go get the ball down the field. And I made sure that was a big point I wanted to talk about here. But another thing another thing besides that, right? If I were to say Sam Darnold's overrated with having a 59% completion percentage under pressure, Mason Rudolph is even worse. Mason Rudolph is completing 44%, 44% of his passes under pressure, right? Another thing that... We're going to go back on the theme of, of Jared Goff. Another thing that I'm surprised Jared Goff overcame was Mason Rudolph and his entire career only took six snaps under center. 
He yeah. and he's a system quarterback. Sure. And that, that's a Big Twelve theme. You're gonna tell me a guy who doesn't call plays, system quarterback, a weak arm, small hands, relies heavily on his key receiver is gonna go ahead and make this transition to a great quarterback. I think that's and, and that's exactly why I think we see these system quarterbacks, quote unquote, fail to have success in the NFL. I think Geno Smith is another perfect example. He was drafted yep. in the second round yeah. out of West Virginia. Colt McCoy was a great example. Uh, I'll admit that Whedon has made a career for himself. He, he came from Oklahoma State. Yeah. But he just had more – he just had a better NFL arm Yeah. than, than Rudolph. Yeah, Rudolph's arm is – you know, he, he, when, I talk about, when I talk about zip on the ball, you watch him throw an out route. When he's throwing outlet routes to the sideline, it feels like it takes a mile to get there. Do you know how many times that's going to get picked off in the NFL? You you mean you can't throw an effective out route because you don't have enough velocity on the ball? Oh man, I see like Patrick Peterson. I see freaking all these guys out there just eating it up. I see Rudolph being a career backup. career backup yeah. uh, and uh, yeah. or third string, a mediocre starter for like a journeyman starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not even gonna say like a uh, Colt McCoy. I'm gonna say like McCown. Like okay. sure, he might light it up when he's 35 years old, but I don't see him. I mean, I'm seeing him. High second round draft grade, top five quarterback. Are you kidding me? And that's why I like the term overrated because I, I because personally, when we're talking about NFL draft prospects, I think that the term overrated is very subjective. Yeah. The reason that I say that is because I want to transition into my second one. Okay. I don't want anybody to, to jump down my throat. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. I actually think that this player is going to have a good NFL career, but he's overrated for me for a couple of reasons. This is Sony Michelle. This guy has trouble running inside the tackles. Yeah. And for me, you know, I like to think of the prototypical NFL running back for me is an Ezekiel Elliott or a Todd Gurley. So all year, uh, Sony Michelle was the lightning to Nick Chubb's thunder, right? There's no doubt that this kid has incredible versatility and quickness, maybe unlike anything we've ever seen. I think there's a place for him in the league. I think there's a place for him uh, with the skill sets that he brings. I don't see him being an every down running back in the NFL. Okay. I want you to keep going because I I just I disagree. I think he's underrated. Um due to the fact that he brings that explosiveness that a lot of running backs don't have, and he didn't have the opportunity to show that he he could provide the thunder. If you think about like I, I mean, I watched a lot of SEC football and especially when Nick Chubb was down, look at how great Sony Michelle played. He proved that he could be the man, but when you plug Nick Chubb back in there, I don't think Sony Michelle is as good as Nick Chubb, but he's he's pretty pretty equal. I just think that he does his damage in space, and I think that he struggles to uh, read the blocking inside the tackles, and, and I think that he struggles to create more out of the play than is there because he he shines and excels when he when he's in space. But I just don't see him. I mean. And also to get yards after the carry, I feel like he, he that he's got to run to these guys full speed. He needs so much momentum. Whereas a Zeke or a Gurley or a Chubb, they can just use their strength to get in between the tackles and get a couple extra yards. Where I think that, I think he's just gonna rely on his on his speed and his versatility too much. I I think he's one yeah. dimensional. I I think okay. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and you know pat your back on one of your points for sure. Where I did I do know that he tends to misread the holes. But the thing about him is that could be taught. That could be that could be transitioned where he doesn't have to be the lightning rod. Because if he reads that hole, he's gone. That's what I love about him. 
he's not going to carry the pile. I'm trying to think of, like, he's like a Blau Powell. I think that's going to be the best comparison I can make. Compared to uh, Saquon Barkley, do you think Barkley is just the complete package? This is why we're seeing him in, in the top five. Yeah, he's a complete package. You know? He can he can pass block. He's smart behind the ball. He can move the chains, and he's got speed. He can pass catch. You know, whereas Chubb and Michelle have been labeled as lightning and thunder, but I will agree with you that I think that they are both underrated in yeah. the certain skill sets that, that they bring. I think they, that they've been labeled uh, at the as these different types of running backs. You know, uh, I saw uh, one analyst uh, predict that the Lions might be a good spot for Michelle and. Honestly, I don't think the Lions have anything to lose as far as yeah. taking a running back. But also, uh, keep in mind what we said at the beginning of this conversation, how how many sleeper running backs there's gonna, they're going to oh be in, in the second and yeah. third rounds. So I think that that's going to be something to look at. But but here's the thing, man. And uh, you can tell me if you disagree. I think that – well, we already know this. The running back position in the NFL is changing. What I, What I mean by this, though, specifically, is that I think that we're seeing – these running backs that are taken in the second and third round, they're able to give you some, like the quote-unquote busts. They'll still give you like two good years before they are kicked out of the league. Or Yeah. You know, so as compared to quarterbacks, where all these quarterbacks are taken, but only a couple of them are going to contribute to an NFL team, running backs, fresh running backs, it's a hot commodity. In it the is. NFL. And, I mean, it's a team with Chubb can I mean excuse me a team who goes and grabs Michelle they can they can always grab another running back in the sixth round this this is running back rich and they just have a battle just battle it out because you know there's gonna be running backs out there who who are gonna need they're gonna need to make a name in camp yeah so I I, I respect it I I beg to differ because I really liked him and I I love explosive backs but I like it. I'm I'm excited for next week's episode when we talk about most underrated running backs. Uh, I mean, excuse me, most underrated draft picks. Michelle is not my most underrated draft pick. So, guys, if you think I'm talking about Sonny Michelle next week, I'm not. Don't give anything away. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and recap the action in college basketball last weekend. Uh, we definitely had some great games. Uh, we talked about a couple. Game of the weekend for me was Michigan State and Purdue. What I loved about this game was – that I feel like you and I really hit a lot of the key points, and then we saw that play out yeah. on the court. Um, exactly what, what we said about Haas, Michigan State, let him get his points. I really love that. Mm-hmm. We were so accurate on that. And yeah. I mean, it, they Michigan State did not hide the fact that they don't care. They're not going to yep. get beat by three-point shooters. Absolutely. Uh, and what was so funny about that, too, is that down the stretch, uh, Haas was sinking these hook shots, right? Yeah. Hook shot, hook shot. And then on that third one, he misses – uh, so anyway, that was, that was just a great game. Uh, we had some good analysis on that game. We both had Michigan state winning. So that was a win for both of us. Yeah, that was solid. Uh, and fun fact, it was a three point line, I believe. So, it was, so, so the line was a push, Yeah, which I'll take that. And the surprise of the weekend for me, Tennessee and Alabama, I had Tennessee winning this game on the road. Uh, Brad, you believed in the crimson tide and they blew out the volunteers. You know, my, what happened? Um, I was surprised that you told me you, you put Tennessee in your parlay because every point you made for Alabama to be successful in that game happened. John Petty shot lights out. They kept Tennessee from being able to spread the ball around and shoot deep threes. And, guys, if you guys have not been watching Alabama basketball, there's a name I want you guys to hear. And I got a name I want you guys to remember. Donta Hall has been having his coming out party. Double-double. Big blocks. Great defense. 
Well, it's good to know that I know what I'm talking about in the analysis, but yeah. then then I go to bet and <laughs> I go with the volunteers. Surprised Bama's still not ranked. Uh, that surprises me too. But big I, wins, you know, but whatever I, it is, what it is. It's a Bama bias. Yeah, I guess you could say. So uh, so far, you're sitting at two and zero in our college basketball games, and I'm sitting at one and one. And we've got a couple more good ones here to talk about for Saturday. Okay, so you, you want to start with uh, we got so the rankings are different now. Um. When we did pull these, it was number three, Villanova, at number four, Xavier. I think they have flip-flopped. Oh, or it's number six, Villanova. I'm not entirely too sure. Number three, Xavier. Whatever it is, uh, Xavier is the higher-ranked team now. Um, but it's Villanova at Xavier. So my initial thoughts, I think Xavier is going to be the home dog in this game. Yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be small. I think, you know, no more than a three-point spread. Oh, yeah. I definitely – I was thinking like uh, three and a half, um, Villanova – but I wouldn't be surprised if they went ahead and put out a, a six-point line for this one. J- just because really? the sheer fact that Villanova is a much, much better team. Uh, and Fracture, but... Well, I was just going to say that this is a different team without Phil Booth. Yeah, and that's the one with the Fracture. Their uh, depth, I think, is... But, but okay, I think people are overreacting here. Uh, yeah. Though, like, overall. Everyone's saying, oh, they, they have no depth and they're being exposed. They lost two of their last three games. Uh, they lost to Providence last night, but Providence is a good basketball team. Providence is a solid team, and I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Providence beat Xavier as well. Providence has taken down some some big teams. So yeah, and they're they're right up there in, in the Big East ranking. So this, I mean, they're the the Big East as a whole is no pushover. Uh, everyone just just expected uh, Villanova to roll through this conference schedule, but that's not what we've seen. Moving on here, um, when I'm looking at college basketball games, I take a lot of stock. I I love it when they already have a matchup during the season because yeah. I, I take a lot of stock in the previous matchup, and I like to see the differences. Uh, I, I like to see who's healthy in the second matchup, who was home in the first matchup. Villanova dominated yeah. Xavier. Yeah, 89-65. And, you know, the crazy thing about these two teams, they are so, on paper, they are so evenly ranked, evenly matched. But both very offensive. Yes, minded. both very offensive. But Villanova shoots the three ball lights out. I, I think that that's going to be the big time difference maker right here. Is I mean Villanova is averaging well before last game. I don't know they only shot they only made three three pointers last game. But before that they were averaging like eleven point nine th- made threes per game, and that's a big difference maker. I'm I'm with you on this one. I'm just going to go ahead and get my prediction. I think Villanova is going to win pretty easily. I've got them winning by six, 88-82. I have uh, Villanova winning. I had it somewhere. It disappeared, but I, I think it was like a, a nine-point win okay. uh, for Villanova. Keeping in mind that neither team plays particularly good on the defensive end of the, of, of the ball, which I think is going to create a lot, a lot of opportunities for the Musketeers, especially at home. Yeah. I, I My score was 85-77, just so we can okay. get that on paper. Okay. But, all right, so so we're similar there, but I also just wanted to say uh, I've got a lot of uh, friends and family in the Cincinnati Dayton area. Yeah, they're ready for this basketball game. Yes, and mind you, you know Xavier is one of two teams that to take down Cincinnati this year. Oh yeah, um, and I, I really do like uh, Trevon Blewett. He he can ball, he can hoop. So this is gonna be the matchup of Blewett versus uh, what's his name, Macal Bridges. Um. Yep. It's pretty much whoever has the most dominant game, and both these guys are your, your your typical NBA prospect. They can defend two way players. They can shoot the three lights out. I think uh, Blewett's somewhere around forty four, and uh, Bridges is like forty percent. I'm excited to see, but I just don't think that Xavier has enough 
God dang it. I hate saying this, but I don't think Xavier has enough talent to shut down Villanova. Like, you look at Providence is a great team, and Villanova probably went in there pretty laxed. St. John's is a hot team when Villanova lost to St. John's. There's a couple a couple key differences. Uh, I don't think Xavier shoots enough threes. Um, Xavier turns the ball over too much. That's just my, my two biggest things. And for me... One thing that I'm learning, you know, th- this is uh, my first year betting on college basketball. I'm kind of looking at the game in, in a different way. And I, I like what you said about going into certain environments, maybe more like a days ago than you would be elsewhere. Yeah. Both teams are going to be ready to play this game. because yes. So you can throw those losses out the window. Yeah. Because at that point, okay, like a loss to St. John's or what. You, you compare the environment to what you're going to see on Saturday to the St. John's game or the Providence game, it's two completely different scenarios. Oh, yeah. You never know what you're going to get out of these teams. You know you're going to get 100% from both teams, and I don't think that Xavier matches up very well on the offensive side because they're so even on the defensive side. Also, in this matchup, Villanova is 9-1 and against the spread in their last 10 games against Xavier. That's going back to 2014. So, very recent stats. I think the line is going to favor them, especially being on the road. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, um, you know, okay, so four straight seasons, Villanova has won the Big East uh, regular season title. You think Jay Wright's going to let these guys go in there, not be prepared? After, I mean, they're on the verge of losing the number one seed. Yeah, he's he's got a Kansas-like run going here in the the Big East. Total conference domination. All right, well, uh, that's going to be a 4.30. Uh, I believe you and I are going to watch that one together. Yes, we are. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And then we got another good one on Saturday at 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, in the Big 12, number 20, West Virginia, and number 13, Kansas. At least those were the rankings uh, when we first decided on the game. Yeah, they're still the same, I, I believe. Okay, okay. Uh, good good matchup here. And uh, if I can just say here, very different style of play than we're going to see in the Nova Xavier game. Oh, yeah. We're going to be seeing some serious defense in this game. Yes, we will. And, and nothing to knock Villanova and Xavier because they have great individual defenders. Um, but nothing, no defender of them is like Javion Carter. And I don't even know if I picked a winner. I didn't pick a winner. Um, and, and we're going we're gonna to go through well, let's, this together. Let's talk through it. Yeah, we're going to go through this together. So... First of all, it's a battle for second place in the Big 12. Yeah, how about those Red Raiders? Uh, I, Miles, I don't know if you know this. I've been betting on, on Texas Tech all season because the Red Raiders are not only are they talented, they are the definition of defense in the Big 12. They are easily the best defensive team in the Big 12, and they are showing everyone defense wins championships. They could be a scary team going going in the tournament, no doubt. So, um... Miles, part of me really, really, really wants to pick Kansas, right? Okay. Kansas, but Kansas has lost some really crappy games. I, I think these are these games I'm about to shout out that they lost are all home games, right? Mm-hmm. They lost 74 to 65 to Washington at home. Washington plays great at Washington. They haven't been playing particularly well on the road. They lost 84-79 Oklahoma State, who is not a good team. And then Baylor, who is not a good team as as well, but Baylor was was getting a little hot when they played they lost 80 to 64 this Devontae graham has been waiting waiting for his opportunity to be the starter to be the man in town right and he, he's not letting me down 17 and 5 17 and 4 um actually 17 and 7 which is a great mark right 
But Javion Carter is just so much better. He's a defender. He can distribute the ball. He can rebound. He pushes the pace. He sets the tone. He makes them press Virginia. So I can tell you that just from, I think that you're moving towards West Virginia here. And also it helps to know that Candace is going to be at home for this one. In their first matchup, it was at West Virginia. Kansas had 13 turnovers, and they still won the game, 71-66. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem with me that that I just think Kansas is a better team. But I'm I haven't picked a winner yet. Okay, they I have just, five players averaging double figures this year. Yeah, yes, they do. And, and they're consistent. Well, they're consistent, but don't let this scoring. They're not deep. They're not deep at all. I think they have one six man and Michael Lightfoot, and the rest. The rest of the players barely touch the court. <coughs> I really do like Kansas. I'm just going to say it. I'm picking Kansas. But I would not be surprised if, if uh, Javon Carter – I was messing up his name. What was I calling him? Javion? If Javon Carter goes out there and puts up a 25.9. Well, to be fair, I mean, I completely agree with you there. But it seems like we're both on the same page here with Kansas. For me, uh, being at home is the difference maker. Also, keep in mind, Kansas has never lost to West Virginia. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And they're 2-1. and one. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. West Virginia is 2-1 and one against the spread uh, in their last three visits to Kansas. So This is going to be a favorable line, too. I was just about to say, depending on where the line is as far as the spread, I think West Virginia can definitely cover. Yeah. Absolutely. And if we're talking about a three or four-point spread, I mean, you got to think Kansas is going to be the favorite here. Yes, Kansas is going to be the favorite. Maybe a three-point spread or, or, or a one-and-a-half-point uh, spread. But if it gets up to the five range, I'm taking West Virginia. Uh, just because it's, this is too scary. Absolutely. Uh, I have Kansas winning a close one, 65-62, a very defensive battle. I think West Virginia is going to force them to play their game, Yeah. and I think it's going to keep them in the game to the very end. And, and for that reason, I would take West Virginia against the spread, but I'm going to go with the Jayhawks to get the win. Yeah, I, I can I appreciate that a lot. And, I mean, i just ready to see Devontae Graham versus Javon Carter play each other. And, I, I mean, Javon, I, I'm just a huge Javon Carter fan at this point in the season. Um, because I'm going to be honest, I didn't know much about him before the season started. And after watching their games, he's more than just scoring. He's more than just passing. He's everything. So that, uh, that's going to be a little back-to-back doubleheader. So that'll be a fun one too. Do you want to go ahead and plug our big event? So guys, big event. We will be at Waitiki downtown Orlando at 7 p.m. on March 12th. You heard that. 7 p.m. March 12th. There's drink specials. We'll be live, and then we'll be able to party. We're going to be taking questions. During the during the show, we're also going to be talking about our conference winners from the major conferences. We might throw in some other conferences for college football. We're also going to be talking about Heisman hopefuls, and you never know. There's going to be some other surprises. It's going to be a good time. We're going to be talking about a lot of college football. Um, we're going to be having a few beers. Yeah. Uh, Waitiki's going to be the place to, uh, to be on a Monday night. So really looking forward to seeing everybody out there. Yeah, make sure you guys bring your friends. Um, as always, make sure you follow us on Twitter. That's at Best the House. Go ahead and tell us who your favorite team is. Uh, shoot us a mailbag question. You can do that on Twitter yeah. or on Facebook. Uh, Facebook is at Best the House as well. Or visit our website, www.bestthehouse.com. People are asking us, how do we find you guys on Twitter? I mean, on Twitter, on um, iTunes and Stitcher. It's bestthehouse.com. Um, it has all the information. And uh, thanks for the show. We look forward to the next week.